in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Wow. Uh, New York is overrun by uh, cops. We love the cops, but uh, we don't like the blockades. We don't like the diversions, the traffic tie-up. Uh, and Joe Biden is in town right now, right? He's in town right now. I think he's just in the hotel room. I think he's in the hotel room. He's staying in the, uh, I think he's in the Intercontinental Hotel. Is it the Intercontinental? I'm a little bit surprised it's the Intercontinental because, eh, Intercontinental, you know what we don't have anymore? We don't have the Waldorf Astoria Hotel, right? That's where presidents stay, the Waldorf Astoria uh, it's got a great big presidential suite. Uh, people have been going there, presidents, for uh, many, many years. It's a fine hotel, but it's it's not it's not all that. It's just not. It's I, I don't know. Whatever. It's um, he's here. There no no one really is doing anything of substance. Uh, there's a lot of uh, talk. There's a it's a great big convention for people from all over the world for the diplomatic corps, right? All those and uh, the bosses come, the heads of state come, and. Um, I don't expect anything of sub- the United Nations. I, I'm I'm kind of glad they're here. I actually like the United Nations in theory to a point, to a point. Um, but the idea that they're a global police force or anything like that, no. And you don't want to play by international standards. You want to play by American standards, which are better, and uh, we approve them. Right? It's about us. Sorry, I don't trust an organization. I mean, again, I like them to a point, but I don't trust an organization that puts Syria on the Human Rights Commission. They put Syria and crazy countries that are famous for abusing rights. So Joe Biden delivers a big speech. Mumble, he'll mumble his way through it. I, I, I know there's a couple of inside baseball stuff uh, to keep an eye on. Uh, the uh, who's going to be led on the UN Security Council? They want to let more people on. Uh, even, even the. It's really weird that America is pushing for that. Very weird. Uh, that's not in our interests. We don't want that. We don't want more on the on, on the Security Council and. Uh, Whatever. So, as that guy said in the great movie that nobody ever talks about, Paternity, it's called Paternity with Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds is a uh, kind of a young, swinging bachelor, cool dude. He's the head of Madison Square Garden. He runs Madison Square Garden. The movie came out like 1981, and he wants to have a kid, but he doesn't want to get married. So he hooks up with Beverly D'Angelo, who's the surrogate mother. And I won't give it away because I'm sure you could rent this movie. But there's one scene where they're on the circle line going around Manhattan. And the tour guide is just hilarious. And he's just, he's just, he's going into great detail about hospitals. There's New York Hospital. Fantastic place to have your appendix removed. I had my appendix removed. They have a wonderful, wonderful food choice of great menu. And then he goes, and there's the UN where they do all that world stuff. He goes, oh, and there's Bellevue Hospital. Let me tell you about Bellevue. And um, all right, so the U.N., what else do you have to know? What else do I know? Not much. What the hell do I know about the U.N.? I went there on a tour in 1970-something. I did in fourth grade. We all saw the beautiful, very beautiful. And then uh, we found out more about what it does. It's an anti-American, anti-Israel forum. Hey, you know what's something kind of cool? And I'm going to play this uh, in a little bit. You know, the United Nations is actually, by architectural standards, at the time when it was built, 1950, a very beautiful, impressive building. But by 2001, 2002, 2003, it had become a dilapidated heap and was desperately in need of an overhaul and some renovation. 
And guess what? America, because we're always footing the bill for the entire world, uh, we somehow picked up the responsibility of fixing the damn place. And guess who they brought in? Donald Trump. For one brief shining moment, they were going to have Donald Trump renovate the United Nations. And he goes to Congress and he just schools them on how much money is being wasted, how to do it much more efficiently uh, for less money. And he's going into detail. And it makes sense. It's not like it's gobbledygook. And he's talking about what a direct job this is, what a simple job it is compared to other jobs. For instance, you don't have to install bathrooms. It's not like a hotel where you have to install, you know, 30 bathrooms per floor. You know, think about it. You got that. Think about installing 30 bathrooms on one floor, on the top floor. No, you don't have to do any of that. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. And then he talked about zoning and how none of the international people knew about New York zoning. Anyway, he was fantastic. The, the, the ability, the expertise, and it's worth watching. You know, don't, I like to say, don't let anybody else tell you about what Donald Trump says or has to say. You got to listen to him. You got to listen to him. And we'll listen to him in a moment. But you know what? People are still coming up to me about this whole Aaron Rodgers thing and online. All right. So what did I say about uh, Aaron Rodgers? Well, what did I say in August? Do we have that August clip, right? I stand by it then. And then I, I said it again after he took that terrible tumble. What was that a week ago tonight? All right, this is my prediction back in August about Aaron Rodgers, and why did I say this? Because I could see a couple of things. He was gaffing off practice. He was doing too much celebrity stuff. And, yeah, he was talking about that goofy, weird, how do you say it again? Ayahuti, Ayahuti, which gives you all kinds of crazy visions, and it's it's a hallucinogen. You might as well take uh, LSD. You might as well take LSD. Actually, do me a favor. Do we have Aaron Rodgers first talking about what a great thing this Ayahuasca tea is? Let's find that first because it'll give you an idea what I was reacting to. You got kids today. They wear the jerseys of these guys. They put their name on the back. They put number 12 Rodgers, right? They worship sports people. It's totally, it's, it's, I, I, I was hurt once by a sports figure. I was hurt. I was let down by a very prominent person that I looked up to. I almost don't want to say his name. I'll say his name. Chris Chambliss. He played first base for the Yankees. And when I found out that he had an attitude and he thought he was all that and he wasn't into the play, he, he had a, he was a great player though. Remember he got the home run that won the pennant in 1976. And, um, anyway, I found out later that look, maybe he was having a bad day, but on that bad day, I saw what a jerk he could be. And, um, I never looked up to a sports figure again, basically because of that. All right, do we have this thing or what? Where he's talking about the Ayahuasca tea? Well, you got to believe me on this. He's talking about. How, wait a second, don't I have it? Yeah, wait. Here it is. Cut three, please. Cut three. I already had it the whole time. Cut three. I had such a beautiful experience this last time that I'm pretty certain it won't be my last, but uh, I'm not sure when my next time will be. Can you? Is that something you can take numerous times? Like, obviously, there are some drugs that kind of wear you out or whatever. Is that something you could potentially do forever? Well, I'm glad you brought this up because I was wondering how I could how I could segue this. But I, I'm, I really want to go on a small tangent there with the word the word you just used because words are spells, right? There's words are spells, uh, and they are spelled a certain way. Or All right, stop. I don't want to hear him being a guru. All right, I want him to get the get to the part about how this Ayakuska Waska stuff is so great. I think this might be a little bit shorter. Cut two, cut two. 
Ayahuasca is not a drug. It has properties in it that have hallucinogenitive uh, abilities. Bingo! But it's not a drug, right? We're talking about plants here. So when I think it's a very important point to make, and this is how words are used in our society to create a bias against certain things, and I do think that's important enough to go on this ridiculous tangent that I went on no. to remind people how Not words ridiculous. are used. Not ridiculous. How words are used to create bias in certain situations, uh, and 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 those bias create fears, and those fears prevent people from doing the research themselves or looking into it or having their own idea or truth about a certain situation. Hey, great so, tangent. Just really think about the words that we use because words are spelled for a reason because they cast spells and create energy. Now, what the around. hell is he talking about? You see you see how far afield this is from quarterback stuff, right? Focusing on throwing that, I don't know, spiral, right? Throwing a really good hard pass. It's so, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And maybe, all right, if he knows a little bit about ayahuasca, keep it to yourself because I know a little bit about ayahuasca as well. And I know there are warnings about schizophrenia. I know there are warnings about Hey, this might be minor, but I think it's pretty severe. Diarrhea, vomiting, um, coma, death, permanent rewiring of the brain. You know, oh, it's a plant, Mom. Hey, uh, uh, he just said it's a plant, just like marijuana, right? We It seems like we've lost that fight. Do you want your children? Does Aaron Rodgers want his children if he ever has them on, on marijuana? I don't want my kids on, right? I think I have more of a stake in this than he does. And online, everybody's giving me uh, a hard time. Can you believe that douche Greg Kelly said about Aaron Rodgers? And they just they just call me names. They don't call me. They just call me names. They don't say anything about the substance of what I said, and they don't say anything. Quite frankly, the big part about this is God, because Aaron Rodgers says that this tea, this uh, substance, has made him a complete person. Well, no substance can do that. All right. And only God can do that. And no one is challenging me on that. You know, they'll say, Oh, Kelly, I remember him. He's no, he's, that's the whole thing. They use that against you. Yeah. I'm a flawed person. I will screw up. I have screwed up. It's right. Um, I guess you can hold that against me. You can't hold that against God and you can't hold my relation. Let me hear what he said. Cause I haven't heard this. I heard all weekend long. He, uh, cut one. I don't yeah. know if you saw Greg Kelly, who's a super conservative uh, political pundit, oh, said this. the reason why your Achilles happened, not because Achilles, the way it was kind of constructed by oh, God no. or whatever, nope. but because you took ayahuasca, and that is kind of how it all happened. <laughs> That's one guy. We don't need to hear that. You're not doing ayahuasca. Who, what's that guy's name? Greg yeah. Kelly. Redemption Bum. news. Bum. <laughs> Bum. Bum. Uh I hope they put that on air. Did you put that on air? He pretended he didn't hear. He definitely heard. All right. So he used a vulgarity. He used a, uh, he was a, a, a very juvenile word to describe me. Where's the other one? Where's the other one? This is the one, the bum one, the bum, bum. Anyway, whatever. So the word got back to him. I stand by it. Um, I love everybody. I don't have to like everybody. I don't have to like Aaron Rodgers, but I love the guy. I love my enemies. I love, uh, I really do. I don't like everybody, but there's a difference in everybody here and he's on his own path and I hope he gets straightened out. We do have free will. Right. Um, we do. We can we can choose. And I don't know. I think he's presenting options to children that children shouldn't have and young people and older people even. Ayahuasca. Somebody called up and said, well, that's it's been really good for veterans dealing with it. I'm a veteran. You know, I had my ass in the grass. I don't talk about it all that much. You know, certain things you deal with, certain things you just got to deal with. Right. 
No, they made it. They made it like veterans or some sort of underclass, some sort of veteran. You know, we're uh, underprivileged and we need handouts and all that stuff. I don't like that, and it's been promulgated kind of by the government. All right, is this the bum part? Let me hear that. I don't know if you saw Greg Kelly, who's a Wait, super conservative. I don't want to hear the whole uh, part where he says, dip sh- did you just do it again where he bleeped it out? All right. Well, there's another part apparently where he says bum. So um what are you going to do? Anyway, I'm flattered to be slighted, to be honest. All right. I, I do find it amazing that those podcasters who are probably, it's not just them. Um, it's a lot of people in media. Whenever somebody famous and powerful and rich shows up, uh, nine times out of ten, they try to suck up to them. And nine times out of ten, a rich, powerful uh, person, uh, if they say something, everybody in the room is like, uh-huh, t- totally agree, not, not, not their head in agreement. And this is where, I mean, real power comes from, unfortunately, and it can be misused, and I think it's being misused um, right before our eyes. All right, the big trumpeter. You know, they got a big new, uh, what's her name? Kristen Welker, the worst interviewer in the world this is what happens when you go woke you know they had megan kelly who was fantastic she interviewed trump last week it was a masterpiece it was an absolute masterpiece it was interesting it was not an easy interview but you know when you press somebody i think the results are better sometimes and i that it was a masterpiece of an interview remember they chased her out of nbc news for one politically incorrect Comment one politically incorrect, and this is what they got. Now they got Kristen Welker, and what a disaster! Wow, is she bad? This is like a is shockingly bad stuff. A little bit of that, and a little bit of this, and a little bit of the other thing. When we come back, with crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is uh, new. Uh, two women, 73, 74 years old, pro-life activists Jean Marshall and Joan Bell were just convicted for blocking the entrance to an abortion clinic. They now face 11 years in prison. Wow. Uh, wow. 11 years in prison. I'm looking at them right now. Elder, you know, 73, 74, what, and uh, blocking, you know, a guy, they actually raided a man's home because he pushed somebody by, who pushed his kid. There was a pro-life guy and some pro-abortion guy pushes the dude's kid and the guy knocked him down, pushed back and knocked down the pro-abortion guy. They sent a SWAT team to his house. Remember that? I actually talked to that guy a couple of times in Pennsylvania. He totally won. They had to drop the case. Actually, I'm sorry. They they waged the case, but he was found not guilty. I think this is uh, this is pretty insane, man, man. Now, now I wonder what's going to happen because President Trump has now made it a priority to talk a little bit differently about abortion. And he's mad that Democrats are exploiting this issue and uh, lying about uh, abortion. 
you know, most Americans don't want late term nine month abortion. Well, most a lot of Democrats will not back away from that. Kamala Harris has been asked point blank. She doesn't want any restrictions whatsoever when it comes to abortion. All right. Um, more on the Aaron Rodgers stuff in a bit. And, uh, oh, Curtis Lewa, thank you very much for the support. You know, nobody knows sport. Nobody knows sports like Curtis. Actually, let's, uh, here's Curtis. Cut 13. So I had the back of Greg Kelly because I know there are a lot of young men out there and some young ladies who want to be the best possible athletes they can, not just in football, but other sports, who figure, let's do exactly what Aaron does. And I think it's detrimental because he's also also said a lot about smoking weed. He's actually made the weed sign uh, during the uh, fall preparation for the season. Him and a receiver, I forget his name, uh, they were making the weed sign while out there near the 50-yard line. I'm saying to myself, look, there are young people who are watching you. You are a stellar athlete. You are promoting what is really a psychotropic tea. And you're promoting the use of marijuana, which we have way too much of for young people. Well, he's so right. And you know what's really great? Curtis knows sports. I mean, he has forgotten more than I will ever know about sports. So uh, I appreciate that a lot. And just for reminders... We have that old t- clip of uh, Aaron talking about how good it is to get on this crap. Yeah, and it's not. And look at the results. Look at the results. Look at how well, that failure the other night. Oh, well, I had nothing to do with it. Oh, yeah? You sure about that? I'm not so sure. Go ahead. The negative framework sure. of it is that that is the experience, not the deep and meaningful and crazy uh, mind-expanding uh, possibilities and also deep self-love and healing that can that can happen on the other side. One of the core tenets of your mental health is that self-love. And that's what ayahuasca did for me, was help me see how to unconditionally love myself. And it's only in that unconditional self-love that then I'm able to truly be able to unconditionally love others. Oh, boy. All right. I, I tell you what. It's an artificial substitute, fake substitute for a relationship with God, yes. And I notice no one's really talking about that part of uh, what I said. Just the name-calling, just the ridicule. Well, I'll take it. And thank you, Curtis. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, isn't it time maybe just think about it? Can we think about it a little bit that these heads of state, even our own president, do we have to put him in a great big motorcade and great big limousine that says president of the United States on the side? You know, for any would be attackers, uh, would be assassins like this is the place right here we are. What if they just came in discreetly in unmarked cars, you know? A van, a white van that says laundry on the side, you know, something like that. I mean, I know there's got to be a happy median, right? Don't you think they come in the grandest of parades and everything else must stop? I'm looking at Third Avenue right now. It is such a mess. And that's because Joe Biden is uh, right now probably having a nap uh, three blocks from where I'm sitting right now. Um, Everybody freaks out. Uh, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Every year, the security gets more and more intense. Doesn't mean that the threat is actually more intense. It's just that, like any bureaucracy, it increases in ever, just it serves the bureaucracy and so much of this stuff. 
I mean, the presidential motorcade is a very impressive thing, but now it's kind of ludicrous. It's, it's, it's about a hundred vehicles long. You got, <laughs> you got a fire truck in it. You got a hazmat truck in it. You got four ambulances. You got two doctors. You got the just goes on. You got a SWAT team. You got regular police. You got special police. You got special FBI. You got special secret service. You got 10,000 motorcycles. It's too much. And a lower profile could conceivably draw less attention. I think it's something that must be explored. Um, and it's, it might even be safer when you think about it. All right. Trump, like it or not, folks, he is on fire, crushing it in the polls, crushing it, crushing it, beating Joe Biden, beating uh, the, the nearest Republican by like 60 points sometimes. It's insane. They never thought this would happen. The Democrats who now I'm hearing this. Oh, well, this is actually we we all we wanted this all along because we really want to run against Trump because we think we have the greatest chance of beating Trump as a but. No, that's such a what a con job spin job that that is um, one of the reasons why Trump is crushing it in the polls. One of the many reasons he's so damn good. All right. Now, and why is he so good? Because he's so practiced. And he's so, uh, he's been doing this now for a while. 2015, 2016, right? That was a significant campaign, a serious campaign. 2019, 2020. He actually declared, I mean, the presidency itself. He didn't sit back and just, you know, watch it on TV like Joe Biden. And then 2024, he's been out there campaigning. They said, oh, he started his uh, campaign in November of last year. Way too early, way too early. Yeah, well, look at the results. Look at what's going. And he doesn't hide from confrontational um, adversarial media. He goes right there to CNN, has a town hall, beats him. Right into NBC News, Kristen Welker, fake news, beats her. Uh, does friendly interviews as well, does adversarial interviews, and crushes it every time. The guy is like a gladiator, who's a, a champion gladiator, who's getting better and better and better, while his opponents get weaker and weaker and weaker especially Joe Biden, and to a lesser extent, yeah, like Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is in a little cocoon. He doesn't like to be challenged. And when he does go in front of, um, I think he went on Jake Tapper like two months ago, like, look at me, I'm on Jake Tapper. Oh, that was heavily negotiated, and uh, it, there was like pressure on Jake and CNN to treat him normally. You know, do you think Trump gets a bunch of preconditions? Don't ask me about this. Don't ask me about that. No. Hey, they arrested a guy. Did you see? Was it over the weekend? And a Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputy assassinated sitting in his vehicle, just sitting there, assassinated. Now, where did this? We'll know more in a little bit. And I think there's a press conference about to start. Maybe we'll take it. They got the guy who shot him. It looked like it was premeditated. Uh, you know, all this anti-law enforcement stuff that's been in the air. I wonder if that contributed to it. Man was engaged, uh, engaged to be married. Uh, uh, cut down, horrible. And the media, they are the enemy of the people, totally the enemy of the people to create this noxious environment that we all have to live in now. All the lies that have been told, especially about cops. We don't have all the details. We'll have more in just a few minutes. Hey, I want to go to this Trump interview, please, over the weekend, eating eating the fake news' lunch. Cut 14, please. Cut 14. I'm leading him by... 60 points. Mr. President. And you say, why are they doing it? But here's what they did. They saw this happening. 
I actually miss Chuck Todd. I mean, Chuck Todd, at least for all of his dishonesty and uh, trickery, Chuck Todd is not dumb. I think this one's pretty dumb. She's a chump. Easily fooled and deceived, even by her own employer, probably. Um, let's not talk about Joe Biden. Let's not talk about Joe Biden. But when he went through that list of the stuff that Joe Biden has done over the past like week, it shows you how up to date he is, how on top of it is. You know, they talk about the presidency being a bubble. You know, cut cut off from the people. The man is just in the thick of it all the time. Well, he doesn't leave Bedminster, and he's got it made. No, no, you can you can be anywhere now and understand the people and understand what's going on. Joe Biden has no clue. Most presidents they actually lose touch. Um, they lose they 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 don't want to see anything negative about themselves. I don't know, but uh, this is how could she say that? She says, "I don't want to talk about that." Let's talk about you. Let's see what happened here. Cut fifteen. You know what he was afraid of? He was afraid of being impeached. He was petrified to be impeached. And he's, how do you not get impeached? Don't do anything. Now, as you just heard, former President Trump referred to the federal indictments against him as Biden indictments. The indictments have been charged by a special counsel. And according to the White House, President Biden has not spoken to the attorney general about them. And the White House found out about them from news reports. So... That is, she has no business saying that. No business saying that. Now, it has been reported that Joe Biden was frustrated with Merrick Garland, and he was complaining to aides about no prosecution. And he said that this was reported in the New York Times. And it was leaked to the New York Times. And you know they do that on purpose a lot, when they want to send somebody a signal, right? When they want to send Merrick Garland a signal. I don't know if she's naive or just a chump. But that's the way things happen. And Joe Biden himself said, we cannot let him be president. And through the Constitution, we're going to stop him. I should get that. He said that in November. It's like, well, what if what if he wins the nomination and more people vote for him? No, we will not let him be president. And then she says something even stranger, right? Because in this entire this is the first chunk of the interview. And you know who's not mentioned? Hunter Biden. There's nothing about Hunter. He just called Joe, uh, you know, a liar, right? We heard that. He's lying about this. He's lying about that. Lying about being a truck driver. Lying about going to 9-11. But he didn't say anything about Ukraine or China or Kazakhstan or all the stuff we're finding out from the House Oversight Committee. He did not even mention Hunter. He didn't even mention Hunter. So right after that, right after that segment, she comes on. First she says there's no evidence. And then she says this, cut 16. As for the impeachment inquiry, so far, congressional investigators have not presented any evidence that President Biden has profited off of Hunter Biden's business dealings. That's kind of an interesting thing to say when he didn't even allege that. 
I mean, he has alleged it. He will allege it. But he didn't say that. And they're actually working for Biden, even when like a preemptive uh, rebuttal. Uh, that That's the strangest thing. Oh, and then at the end of it, watch this. Okay, so Kristen Welker happens to be a woman and happens to be, I don't know of her, she's not a white person. I don't know what her ethnicity is. I don't know. And she says this, and talk about full of herself, talk about self-importance, and then talk about just being clueless. Go ahead. Before we go, I want to take a moment to thank you, our viewers. It is an incredible honor to be sitting in this chair, and I feel the huge responsibility it carries. Stop for a second. She hosts a talk show on Sunday morning, all right? It's a public affairs show. I think the networks are even required to carry them, right? I mean, that's just the huge responsibility. We just saw you spin for Democrats. I guess that is a big responsibility in its own way, but don't pretend what you do is journalism and then... Okay, here she is about to play the woman card and the race card. Okay, both. Go ahead. I also want to recognize all of the women, all of the people of color who've been pathfinders to make this moment possible, as well as all of the journalists who've mentored me along the way. When my colleague Andrea Mitchell applied for her first job at a news radio station in Philadelphia in 1967, she was told the newsroom was no place for a woman. Stop. Well... All right. We all saw the Mary Tyler Moore show, right? We know what it was like back then. You know, women, I'm sorry, are like men. They're they're competitive. And when women get competitive at the workplace, sometimes we call it catty, right? They can be catty. Men can be catty, but women especially. I think it's more of a woman thing than a – wouldn't you agree, James? Flipping? Hello? Well, Yeah. I, hey, Greg, I, I think the, the cattiness term tends to rear its head more often with women. Yeah. But men can be catty they as can. well. Oh, yeah. B-I-T-C-H-E-S's. Right. Most of the time, I think with men, it's usually the word rude is used more often than B-I-T-C-H. No, if you and I were plotting and scheming against each other for airtime, that would be catty. That's what a lot of the women do, too. Yeah, competitive, I think catty can be used both, but, but primarily yeah, whatever. Not. But she's trying to say, up with women. Up with women. Like, we're all support. No, they don't all support. I know, right. I know firsthand, all right? A women supporting women is a big myth. Men supporting men doesn't happen. Women supporting women doesn't happen. I wish it happened, but it doesn't. Right. Don't you think that's sort of a little bit cringe, the way she's talking about NBC? Yes. Like, everybody wants to pretend like that's it's still, they're the standard bearers of, like, news or something like that? Come on. watch this. It It gets even more nauseating, okay? Keep going. She talked them into hiring her for the overnight shift. I'm here because she and other fearless women never stopped fighting for their places in the newsroom. Stop! All right. A fearless woman is Amelia Earhart, okay? Andrea Mitchell trying to get a job at a TV station is not a fearless woman, all right? I wasn't fearless when I got rejected from 80 stations across the country when I was trying for my first job. It goes with the territory. Fearless women. But listen to this. So this is the oldest show, apparently. Meet the Press has been on TV since like 1948 or something, right? Well, I think this kind of undermines everything she's been saying for the last 10 minutes. Keep going. Now, all five Sunday shows are moderated or co-moderated by women. So to Martha, hey, Margaret, that's not, that's not the part that undermines everything. But what about the dudes? You know what I mean? You see what's happening? Especially to be a white man. 
It's like white men, you can't be in the company of another white person because that will be seen as not diverse enough or whatever. What about diversity of thought? What about diversity of, I don't know, who you are, what skills you have or what what background you come from, a sports background, um, a finance background, something that means something. Not what somebody looks like, but it's going to get very phony and weirder in a second. Keep going. And Shannon, I am incredibly honored to join you on Sunday mornings. I also stand on the shoulders of the first moderator and co-founder of this broadcast, Martha Roundtree, who had the courage to launch this program back in 1947. Here's what she had to say accepting a Peabody Award on the mission of Meet the Press. As long as the press of America is free, America will be free. And what we have tried to do is to bring the press conference, the heart of our free press, to the whole nation. Let us never forget that information belongs to the American people. And it is that information which Meet the Press has been trying to bring each week in the homes of the American people. An informed public means a strong republic, and Meet the Press is dedicated to that cause. All right, notice that she's not talking about being a woman. And she's the first person to host the show in 1948 it was a woman and 80 years later whatever it is she's still talking about breaking barriers the barrier was there was no barrier the first day of work isn't that amazing yeah it really is i, I mean and also just hearing uh the comments from back in the 40s kind of in reference to i guess the importance of the press and giving people access to that kind of stuff yeah that makes a lot of sense but things are so different now in this day and age of the Internet and, and social media. People have a much more unvarnished look at stuff that's going on in the world of media. And, you know, to say that you still need this, like, specially filtered Sunday morning show to get the people access to information. I don't know. It seems a little bit quaint, actually. Yeah. I mean, we actually don't need. You see the filter. You see the distortion. You see the lies that they engage in in real time. You see it right there. So. Why do we need it? And why does she need to get paid millions and millions of dollars? I mean, the, it's the, content. It's just another show. I wonder if they actually make money on that show. I mean, look, I want everybody to have a job, whatever. I like making fun of it. I do. I, yeah. like, I, I mean, it's it's an exercise in, in, in media criticism. That's part of being part of it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but, uh, boy, she, she made it sound like she just got back from the moon. You know? This honor. All right. Enough about her. Uh, James, you got anything else going on? Yeah, well, let's see. Obviously, you know the gridlock alert here. Oh. We can just look outside the window. It's... All right, Reb, right after the, there's UN stuff, and um, what else do we got going here? Another homage to my friend Curtis. We'll do that later on. Okay. And uh, all right, um, let's see here. They keep telling me I got to tease something coming oh. up. <laughs> I got to do some work here. Okay. <laughs> oh, um. Uh, uh, Lewis Black said something great and was great. All right. Yeah, we'll do that in a little bit. Uh, I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, oh, my God. I forgot. We didn't mention this, and it just came and went so fast. Did you see that guy on his bicycle who was killed by those um, those two kids in the car? They're driving around videoing it. They're crashing into people on purpose, cars, whatnot. And then they see a guy on his bike and then they say, get his ass. And they ram right into him and they kill the guy. They killed him. They killed him. This happened in Las Vegas over the weekend. And I'm not seeing a damn thing about it anywhere. 
I saw it on, I saw it on, uh, what did I see? A Twitter of one of those videos popped up and I'm like, good God, I've never seen anything like that. Did you see that? Yeah, absolutely horrific. I actually think it happened sometime in August. As a matter of fact, I, I don't know why it's starting to kind of like go viral now, but I, I don't think it just happened. I think because there was something about I saw some reports where originally outlets like the, uh, you know, papers there in Vegas. What's their big one? The Las Vegas Journal or something like that um, reported that it was just a car accident, that this guy got hit by a bike. And then later cell phone video came out showing that, you know, it was murder, basically that they intentionally ran this guy over while he was riding a bike. A former police officer, by the way, who retired and moved to Las Vegas. Well, it doesn't make it less newsworthy. You know, when when video emerges of something bad, it makes news. Often, you know, if it doesn't have to come out that night. Right. Know, remember the beating of the guy in Arkansas? That It came out a couple of weeks later. Right, that's right. And that was horrific as well. I mean, <laughs> you know, so much of this is because America is having a hideous and stupid conversation about race to avoid having a substantive, important, consequential, and helpful one. And I notice, actually, that, you know, <laughs> they will ignore race when it might reflect a black person or a person of color behaving badly. They will ignore it, downplay it, cast it aside. But if it happens to be a white person acting badly, wow. It's highlighted and they bend over backwards. Maybe it's an example of white supremacy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it certainly seems that way. There there's certain sub-aspects of stories that do get focused on and sometimes don't get focused on. And it does seem as though that's kind of an overarching direction from newsrooms and, and directions of content. So anything else I got to know about the United Nations? Uh, let's see. You know, President Biden's giving a speech tomorrow. There's all kind of road closures up. Um, Prince William is in the city, and he's going to attend the uh, U.N. General Assembly. You know, I hope he does a better job than Harry a couple of years ago. Harry got up and made a f- complete fool out of himself, almost as bad as when he married Meghan. I mean, it was really bad. No, he got up there. He started talking about January 6th and, you know, stuff he has no clue about. And I wouldn't be surprised if William makes the same mistake because William, even though he's a uh, he's smarter than his brother, has also made stupid comments about January 6th that he knows. Stay the hell out of it, uh, Bill. Also, uh, today you're wearing a collared shirt. You have a, a blazer on. You'd be a little overdressed for the U.S. Senate, apparently, because they changed the dress code. You no longer have to wear a suit and tie if you're a U.S. senator. This is all to take care of that uh, that slee stack Fetterman, right? That zombie. What the hell? He goes to he. I, I wear better clothes when I go to Seven <laughs> Eleven. I do. Yeah, he likes to wear basketball shorts and hoodies. Thing about basketball shorts, one of the reasons why I don't wear them is number one, I don't play basketball. Number two, I feel like somebody could pull them down very easily. That is true. Yeah, they kind of have a tendency to... Very vulnerable. And your pockets aren't so great there. You know, it's... Right. Too low. I mean, he really does... Uh, whatever. All right. Well, uh, noted for when I get to the Senate. There you I go. Can, I can... Yeah. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Daddy, yeah. daddy, yeah. daddy, daddy, yeah. daddy, yeah. Uh, That's a little bit of uh, my older one, Annalise. Daddy, daddy, daddy. Uh, I don't know where that conversation went in the end, but uh, <laughs> uh, today was actually the first day of school. 
uh, the school she goes to. I mean, my goodness gracious. I'm glad we're starting before October. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, you know, whatever the schedule is, uh, she's starting, uh, yeah, today, first day of school. Anyway, uh, very beautiful. Um, it's an amazing thing. So blessed to have these two beautiful, uh, children and a amazing wife. And uh, we are a family. We're making it, uh, you know, at one point every now and then. I, I always knew I'd have a family. Um, I was probably a little bit too confident in that. I mean, I was like, I was kind of getting up there. And, uh, you know, I wasn't serious about a lot of things. And I'm glad I got straightened out. Hey, I'm looking at a guy named Jeffrey Clark. You know, these poor defendants in the um, the January 6th nonsense. And it is nonsense. You know. And they keep going on about how Donald Trump was in the uh, White House and did not call anybody. He should have called police or law enforcement to respond to January 6th. This is one of the many, um, what do you call it, uh, reveals, right? It's a tell, a tell that the whole system is lying. They are all lying. They're either lying or they are chumps and they've been deceived. They've been fooled. Presidential decision-making does not happen that way. It does not work that way. The president of the United States is a security guard. He's supposed to pick up the phone and call the police. He's supposed to pick up the phone and call the Pentagon. It does not work that way. Presidential decision-making, right? It rises to the president's attention. It gets to the president. Now, there are other times where the president has an initiative, you know, something he wants to do as a country, and it comes initially from him, but he has to get the agencies to cooperate. Sometimes he has to get Congress to cooperate. It's not like, do this, I will do. And for the president to be watching television and say, ooh, things look edgy at the Capitol, did anybody at the Capitol call him? Did anybody in his cabinet call him? The answer is no. No, they didn't. Chief military advisor, General Milley, is bitching and moaning that he didn't get a call from the president. What is his damn title? His job description, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. What does that guy do? Military advisor to the president, the chief military advisor to the president. You advise the president. You don't sit around, wait for a phone call. It is one of the biggest scams that's being played on the American people right now. So there's that. And there's a guy, I don't know if you know who he is, maybe it's not, I shouldn't, his name is Jeffrey Clark. He was working at the Department of Justice. He believed that there was election fraud. He got in touch with the president and he's like, you know what? I want to make you my attorney general. The bureaucracy at the Justice Department totally freaks out. They say, well, we're going to resign if you do that. We're going to resign. Everyone's going to resign and there will be no Justice Department, which in many ways is like a coup. It's like in its own way, it's a coup that they would not that they would not let the president have his choice to be attorney general. You know, look it up in the Constitution. Where in the hell does it say that there's a Department of Justice? I know it's part of the it's part of the executive branch, but it's become the men and women of the Justice Department as if their feelings are somehow more important than the United States Constitution. The men and women of the FBI, their feelings are somehow more important than our founding fathers and what they laid out for us in that amazing blueprint for our country. It's not. You can't find the FBI in the Constitution. (laughs) You can find the president in the Constitution. 
and he wants to work, you could obliterate the entire Justice Department, send them all home, and I hope, quite frankly, they do when they get back in there. I really do. All right, you keep a couple around, but most of them can go. They're full-time Democrats, and they're going after Republicans and not going after Democrats. And if you don't believe me, you know what? Fake news favorite Bill Barr said the same thing. The other thing we really have to worry about, we are getting the Joe Biden is sending out dangerous signals to our enemies like China, where he says he has no he doesn't want to contain China. If you're Taiwan, you kind of want China contained. If you're Japan, yeah, you want China contained. Right now, China is in a economic freefall. I don't totally understand that because (laughs) they're making everything we have. But somehow they're not making ends meet. The economy is not working very well over there. And <laughs> I just, so there's a theory, and it's, I'm, I'm hearing this from high-level people, that President Xi may invade Taiwan to distract the population. Because you know what? The Chinese, the Chinese people, the great people of China, they've been known to rise up and say, uh, no more, <laughs> stop this. And we're not falling for this crap anymore. Remember Tiananmen Square? That guy standing in front of the tank and millions of others of great Chinese people rising up against a totalitarian state? Yeah, it can happen. It can happen again. And President Xi, very crafty guy, he knows that. So when Joe Biden says things like uh, telegraphing that we're not going to mess with you. But then he, anyway, then he does say like aggressive things about Taiwan, but then they have to bring it right back. He's a dangerous guy, Joe Biden is, and um, I stand by my prediction that by the end of October, he will have withdrawn his um, campaign for re-election. You know it, I know it, and just think about all these Democrats who actually are mm, viable, conceivably presidential material themselves. They're thinking about themselves, and they're thinking about the party more than they're thinking about the country. If you're a Democrat and you're within, if you're actually under consideration, if if some magazine editor would say, yeah, that guy could be president, if you're not running for president right now, shame on you. Really, right? This guy can't do the job. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. You're willing to take a chance? You're willing to let this go forward? I, I, I'm... The only pot, well, no, there is no, there is no, um, explanation for that. I guess some of them, apparently with Gavin Newsom, who's desperate to be president, but he's also really fearful for his own, you know, political future. He thinks that if he primaries Biden, it could potentially, and he doesn't win, but it weakens Biden, then it gives Trump a greater chance at, uh, getting elected, then it really screws over him. That's, I guess I can kind of, if, if, if I, if I think like those people, if I'm a liberal, you know, Maybe. Andrew, welcome back. How are you? Hey, what's up, Greg? Yeah, um, Aaron Rodgers, he said that you were a bum. But I know. Uh, we, so- we, we did that. We did that. T- don't talk about that anymore. Well, unless you really want to. What? I just want to say I'll hit him so hard that I'll knock the goofy expression right off his face. But I want to say the lady from uh, Me to Depress, she's of Indian descent, and ironically, she uh, did one of the debates with Trump and Biden, and she spoke about racism, and she never said to Biden, who made racist remarks against Indians having 7-Elevens and accents. So that's just ironic. And also, I watched the presser with her, and when they had the urine gate, urination gate, 
and Kelly McInerney called her out. Wait, what the hell was Urination Gate? You mean the Steele dossier? Yeah, where Trump. They yeah, said I, nobody fired. ever calls it Urine Gate, just so you know. But <laughs> anyway, keep going. They they should have known that was fake right from the start because how would that spike someone else like was supposed to spike? But they said, how could you run the story? It's fake. And she had a real nasty attitude. She said, well, it was CBS and we just linked to it. You know, you would think she would be embarrassed. She had no shame. And in the newsrooms, it's it's at least 50-50 women. Most have more women. Fox 56, when I worked there, the news director was female. They specifically wanted me because they wanted a male reporter because all the reporters were female. So it's the opposite. <laughs> you would get in trouble there. But I would say... uh Christy Nome, you were talking about her scandal or her situation, divorce. Or, but I think what you were trying to say is policy-wise, that you want somebody that's going to have policies that don't encourage single motherhood and out-of-wedlock birth rate, which often the Democrats, especially in the inner cities. Wait, you're all over the place now. Christy Nome and her affair. What about it? Well, you were saying that you don't approve of it, of course, but that it's not that it's hypocritical, but... You were trying to say about policy that she has better policies that are going to I, I, I don't know what the hell her policies are. She's a conservative. I'm not looking at her policies. I think it was a major, I mean, flying all over the country to hook up with Corey Lewandowski, that's a real problem, all right? Blowing off your responsibilities as the South Dakota governor, which, quite frankly, aren't that much. I mean, how many people live in South Dakota, right? It's a small state. Big geographically, but it's small. So, but, uh, you know, just jet setting around and, and being this guy's girlfriend is, uh, is pretty weird. So I don't care about her policies. I mean, she's a nice woman. I mean, people make mistakes and yeah, I went through this last week and, but in this day and age in that job, all right, you want to hook up with them? You know, that's your business. Wait until you're not governor. What, you know, don't you think that's a public position? You went around, you know, gathering all that stuff. I think it's a problem. Thank you, Andrew. Um, what's going to happen to her, by the way? I did hear this. The affair that she allegedly had with uh, Lewandowski actually ended a long time ago. It actually ended like two years ago. But um, her enemies brought it back. So when she says it's a disgusting lie, it is a disgusting lie. It's the tense. All right. So there's no affair now, but there was an affair. And the big beef I have is, again, flying all over the country. And I don't know. I don't know. And Corey Lewandowski, who was who that guy not hooked up with? He's out of control. That guy's out of control. I Look, at one time, I was a little bit out of control. Not like him, but a little bit, you know, just, you know, I was very, uh, in a very active social life, right? Active. And then I, well, calmed down. I calmed down. And, um, you know, you got to straighten up sooner or later. And this guy, this guy has children. What do they say? You have children. What was that talking to? Remember they gave a real talking to to uh, Ray Liotta in Goodfellas? They got to go back. You got to go back. Hey, it is what it, it come on. Come on. Do the right thing. Do the right thing, Corey. What's he do? This guy should not be flying all over the country uh, doing stuff like that. All right. Back to those women who were arrested. And I know Barbara's going to know all about it. These women in their 70s were arrested for blocking the entrance to a Abortion clinic. They were arrested, charged, and convicted, and now they face eleven years in the in prison. Seems like a complete overreaction to what they did. Barbara, you know anything about this? Yes, I do. Last week um, at my religious freedom group, we had 
one of the family members of someone who was convicted from this same group, convicted on August 25th, one of the family members came to talk to us about his brother's experience and about the, um, the trial, the outrageous way they selected the jurors, and then this judge saying, you are a violent group. So instead of going home, as most people do, to wait and come back to your sentencing, we're going to put handcuffs on you and you're going to prison now. So they're in prison in Virginia. And are they violent? No, they had a video because these people know to videotape everything they do. They had a video showing the only violence was when one of the abortion clinic employees came at them with a broomstick hitting people and actually punching one of them who then turned his back on the on the worker to make sure it was very clear that he did not touch her. He was not violent in any way. The judge would not allow that video to be shown. Wait, there is video. Is sense. the video online? No, I I doubt it is. I, I doubt. I'd it love is. to see it. Can I see it somehow? I I can prob I can <laughs> I can put you in touch with this family member who can tell us if if it's possible to get it. It might be online. I mean, my I'm goodness gracious! If they didn't show it in court, know. if they didn't show it in court, I think we need to see it. And uh, wow, that sounds terrible. And um, you have some experience with this, not that you've done it. Like, okay, they face up to 11 years in jail. What would they most likely get? Well, they really, at the most, for, for violating the FACE Act, the F-A-C-E Act, they should get a maximum sentence of one year in jail. But the Department of Justice under President Biden is throwing conspiracy charges at everyone like this. And that's a catch-all charge, and it's meant to grossly inflate the sentencing. Yeah. So now we could have up to an additional 10 years in prison and a fine of up to $350,000 per person. It's over the top. It's a nonviolent offense, obviously. Barbara, thank you for bringing it to our attention and filling in some of the blanks. Uh, I'd love to see the video if you can, and I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, a couple of things. Uh, Jan Wenner, who's that guy? He runs or started Rolling Stone. Great magazine, been around for a long time. I mean, it was a great magazine when I was growing up. I mean, I kind of like it had the billboard charts in the back, and every now and then it had an interesting article. I wasn't devoted to it, but I would pick it up from time to time in high school, maybe even college, Rolling Stone. They had some uh, pretty good journalism over the years. They had that one big screw-up, the UVA case, where somebody lied to them, and they wrote a story about a gang rape at the University of Virginia that never happened. Now, a lot of news organizations have at least one screw-up, at least the fake news. I mean, what comes to mind is um, the Covington kids, right? How, How many people in the fake news said that the Covington kids were horrible people, right? Horrible um, racists and that they were harassing that poor Indian. Well, they were all wrong, right? So anyway, Rolling Stone has one of those. But I still think Rolling Stone, I have no problem with Rolling Stone. And Jan Wenner, Jan, J-A-N-N, right? But you call it, you call him Jan. Jan Wenner is the guy who started it. He was a young man. I think it was started in the late 60s or early 70s. He starts the magazine, becomes a great big hit. And he's been a kind of a powerhouse in media 
uh, for a very long time. He's 77 years old. And, I mean, nobody knows rock and roll like uh, the editor of Rock and Roll magazine, right? Rolling Stones. He knows what he's talking about. So he came out with a new book. It's called The Masters. And it's like the masters of rock and roll. And who's on the cover? I think Bruce Springsteen is on the cover. I think Bono is on the cover. Uh, one or two other guys. Now, what's the problem with the book? There's no problem with the book. It's Jan Wenner's worldview. He's an expert on rock and roll. He wants to, he, he interviews these guys and he says they're the best. Okay. It's his opinion, right? He wrote the book. There's his name, Jan Wenner. Well, they're upset because guess what? Guess what? What do you think it is? He didn't put any black people or women um, in the book. When it comes to rock and roll, I think it's safe to say that rock and roll is probably dominated by white men. There are plenty, there are some exceptions, but I mean, if he wanted to talk to Jimi Hendrix, he couldn't because Jimi Hendrix died a long time ago, rock guitarist. So, and now they're actually canceling him, trying to cancel him because of about 10 seconds of something he said in an interview. I listened to it. It's fine. I have no problem with it. I don't think you will, but they're canceling him over this, and I'll have it when we come back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, so that Rolling Stone guy, right? He sits down with the New York Times to uh, promote his book, his new book. It's called The Masters. It's about great legends in rock and roll who are still alive, who we can still talk to and get interviews from. The big sin here is they're all white men, people like Bruce Springsteen and Bono. Who are the other ones? Uh, Sting. Is Sting on the list? All right, they're all white men on the cover of the book. And, of course, that is a, ooh, that's a real big no-no these days. So the New York Times goes over there to interview him, and they got a trap, all right? But the, one of the traps is this. You have a young, hip, woke interviewer talking to a man of a certain age. Jan Wenner is 77, so they want to trap him in saying something politically incorrect. And by today's lunacy standards, yeah, this, I guess, is politically incorrect, although I think it's totally defendable. I don't think I have no problem with what he said, uh, and I only read it. I only glanced at it. So let's let's listen together and see if there's any problem here. Here's Jan Wenner talking to the fake news about his new book, The Masters. Keep in mind, after these comments, they're going insane on the Internet. He's been kicked off the board of the Rock and Roll Museum. They have, Within hours of this interview, they kicked him off the board, of the, which he actually started. He started the Rock and Roll Museum. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in, uh, where the hell is it? Ohio, right? All right, let's hear what Jan said that was so bad. I mean, it's, it's, it's not that they're not creative geniuses. It's not that they're inarticulate, although, go have a deep conversation with Grace Slick or Janice. Please be my guest. Or Cass, Elliot, wonderful person. You know, Joni was not a philosopher of rock and roll. She didn't, in my mind, meet that test, not by her work. Not by other interviews she did. The people I interviewed were the philosoph- kind of philosophers of rock, of, of, of black artists. I mean, the, you know, Stevie Wonder, Crowley, you know, they're genius writers. These are genius artists. <clears throat> I mean, I suppose when you use a word as broad as the masters, the fault is using that word, you know, but, uh, 
maybe Marvin Gaye. You just, I could cut Curtis Mayfield or, I mean, they just didn't articulate at that level, you know? Well, but how do you know if you didn't give them a chance to? Because I read their, I read, I read interviews with them. I, I, I listen to their music. I know, you know, to it from the music and the lyrics they write, the kind of things they're writing about. I mean, look at what Townsend was writing about or Jagger was writing or any of them were writing about, you know, and they were kind of deep things about a particular generation, a particular spirit and a particular attitude about rock and roll. Not that the others weren't either, but these were the ones who could really articulate. Don't you think it's actually more to do with your own interests as a fan and a listener than anything particular to the artists that you're talking to? I think the problem is when you start saying things like they or, you know, these artists can't. Really, it's a reflection of what you're interested in more than any ability or inability on the part of these artists, isn't it? That was my number one thing. The selection was intuitive. It was what I was interested in. Yeah, absolutely. And still, who would you have me interview today you think could articulate the philosophy of rock and these times in that way? You know, for just for public relations sake, maybe I should have gone and found uh, one black and one woman artist to include here that didn't measure up to that same historical standards just to, to avert this kind of criticism, which, I mean, I get it. I knew and I had a chance to do that, and I just, I, you know, I, I maybe I'm old-fashioned. And... Is that it? That's it. And that's why he's in so much trouble. What you just heard. You can't, uh, you can't have an opinion and write a book. You know, I think he has a point about Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye may have been brilliant in many ways. Look at his, some of his songs. Sexual healing, right? Sexual healing. Sexual healing is something I'm doing right. What was the other song that he had that was really big? Uh, heard it through the grapevine that you were fooling around with some guy, right? That's not exact, exactly social commentary, right? So <laughs> lay off the guy and that little nerd who's interviewing him. He actually didn't say, you know, he's trying to set it up as a race thing, as a gender thing. These artists or these people. He's actually specific. He knows these people, knows of them. He knows, he, he mentioned, uh, has this interviewer ever had a conversation with uh, Janis Joplin or Grace Slick? I haven't. He knows them. He actually talked to them. Janis Joplin's dead, right? I think Grace Slick might still be around. I don't know. Um, Poor guy. Yeah, Jan Wenner, multimillionaire. Poor guy having to go through all this now. Being, Let's just take a look. Is he still trending? Yeah, he is. And you know who else is in trouble right now? Um, Russell Brand. Russell Brand is in big trouble. Allegedly, well, we have the big Channel 4. Let's. This is the BBC Channel 4. Actually, what I want to do first is play Russell Brand. One of the reasons why Russell Brand, you know who he is, right? The actor, comedian. Lately, he's going like away from comedy and into fantastic social commentary that's really important. And he's a big enemy of the fake news, calls them out, sees right through them. And he wants people to be able to make their own decisions about their health. And uh, I think he's really great. And he's uh, clean and sober, by the way. He wrote a great book about sobriety. And I think he's been very open about his own struggles. But he gets all these letters that they're coming after him for stuff that allegedly happened, you know, sexual assault, sexual harassment, sexual violence. Fifteen years later, they want to they now they want to tell their truth. 
All right, let's listen to the Russell Brand part where he gets uh, ahead of this a little bit or tries to. Go ahead. Hello there, you Awakening Wonders. Now, this isn't the usual type of video we make on this channel where we critique, attack, and undermine the news in all its corruption, because in this story, I am the news. I've received two extremely disturbing letters, or a letter and an email, one from a mainstream media TV company, one from a newspaper listing a litany of extremely egregious and aggressive attacks, as well as some pretty stupid stuff, like uh, my community festival should be stopped, that I shouldn't be able to attack mainstream media narratives on this channel. But amidst this litany of astonishing, rather baroque attacks are some very serious allegations that I absolutely refute. These allegations pertain to the time when I was working in the mainstream, when I was in the newspapers all the time, when I was in the movies. And as I've written about extensively in my books, I was very, very promiscuous. Now, during that time of promiscuity, the relationships I had were absolutely always consensual. I was always transparent about that then, almost too transparent. And I'm all being right, transparent. Right. So he goes about- on like this. I happen to believe him. I happen to believe him. And I'm sorry, but I don't believe the women. Uh, who lined up to tell their story anonymously to the BBC News, the BBC News. Uh, let's go ahead with that, please. This is the actual documentary itself on the BBC. Go ahead. I phoned and somebody asked what it was regarding, and I said, that's regarding Russell Brand being a sex offender. Chilling music. Very chilling music as they set this up. For dramatic effect, right? Let's hear from her again. Please. He's grabbing at my my underwear, pulling it to the side. I'm telling him to get off me, and he won't get off. Like holding me up against the wall, pushing himself in me. He grabbed me and got me on the bed. I was fully clothed and he was naked at this point. And All right. He now it gets very, very graphic. Stop, you got to stop trying. it there. It gets very graphic. I'm sorry, but something of this import, I think you got to tell it to the police, not to BBC4. And none of these people have gone to the police. And in this day and age, well, look, you know, you can, you can, it doesn't matter if it's 20 years old, apparently. Even though it's incredibly difficult to defend your, I don't get it. I just don't get it. This, um, so they're just, <laughs> I mean, you got to go to the cops. Why? To protect women, right? To protect others. They didn't. And I think the whole damn thing is fake. And then right now in Britain, they're having a teachable moment. So they have the foreign minister on the morning show, right? The morning, the breakfast news over there in London. The foreign minister, the whole damn country is weighing in on Russell Brand. He's famous here, but he's even extra famous over there. And what does the uh, foreign minister have to say about this? Mr. Foreign Minister, care to weigh in on, not on Israel, uh, not on Ukraine, but on uh, Russell Brand and this fake documentary? Yep, he does. Go ahead. ...around Russell Brand and this alleged appalling behavior. Now, some years ago, actually, you, you described him as a vacuous narcissist. Um, but I wonder, in a wider sense, do you think, from what we know now, that there are wider questions that the entertainment industry m- must answer? So I think I, I think there are some real challenges where you have these very, very acute differentials in power, whether that be in the entertainment industry, whether that be in, in, in politics, and we see this in the commercial world as well. And I think we have to be particularly 
careful when we listen to the voices of the people who are relatively powerless. Um, because we, I think, collectively have missed opportunities to do the right thing and intervene much, much earlier. And we've got to, we've got to be better at this. So do you think there are questions for the industry? Sadly, I think. Around Russell Brand and this election. What does that mean to be powerless? We're citizens. Everybody's a citizen. Everybody has rights. You know, over there in the UK, if you make an allegation against somebody, you go to the cops, they actually don't even release the name of the person accused, right? The people who are on trial. There's something to be said for that. There's also something to be said for the way we do it. Um, <laughs> powerless, powerless. You know what you hear sometimes? I don't know from these women, but I have heard it from certain women. I've heard it from men, but I didn't want to sacrifice my career. I didn't want to, I don't, I didn't want anything. I didn't want to give up my job. And when you think about that, when you take it to the next level, you're going to let this monster flourish, right? And keep doing it to other, so you can keep a job. What makes you think you're going to get fired if you protect everybody from a monster? If you're not lying, there are a lot of people out there, especially if you have something like Russell Brand, they want to take it from you. There is so much resentment in our society that's being fostered and promoted by social media, right? You see it all day long. People who have things that we don't, right? Whether it's a private jet, whether it's a beautiful body, uh, whether it's a nice car, whether it's some concert that I didn't get to go to, right? There are all these things that others have and that we're constantly seeing it all day long. Before you had to like go out of your way, buy a magazine, bring it home, look at it, kind of wonder what it might be like to be a celebrity. Now we see it all the time and there is such a premium on, well, taking a shortcut. And thanks, and I know this is almost cliche at this point, but the real people to blame here, in, in part, the Kardashians. Because those talentless, crude, um, horrific, immoral people have ascended to the very top of society, and, right? And they have everything that everybody else thinks they want. Money, fame, um, power to some degree, Celebrity friends, all that crap, all the big house, right there. And how did they get it? There's, there's only one of them who has any claim to actual like attention, and that would be Kendall. I think she's the model. She's genuinely beautiful, and you can make money as a model. I don't know how. I mean, whatever. All right, she can. Uh, what's what's Kim Kardashian? She's not beautiful. Uh, the other ones, they're, 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 I mean, it's just, now you could say, well, the marketplace, the marketplace, the marketplace. Well, who drives them? I mean, I'm sorry. They don't sing. They don't dance. They don't act. Um, you know, they're not, they're not academically anything. They're just there with ludicrously big asses, by the way. I know that's rather crude, but it's true. Her claim to, their claim to fame Claims to is that big rear end, which might be artificial. Um, Kim Kardashian made a sex tape with somebody. I'm told that that was engineered to help make her famous. That possible? Sex tapes are no longer considered all that anymore. They're not that risque. Half of America has some porno on their film on their on their phone. At least. Jeff, what do you make of all this stuff? Greg, I want to encourage you to keep talking about God. 
because for a conservative station, you're one of the few that does. And I give you kudos for having Aaron Rodgers uh, comment on you because um, I don't think talking about sports is the strong point of the station, even though, even though too much of that goes on. So congratulations on uh, Aaron Rodgers calling you out on, uh, on uh, your comments. It's funny. Yeah. Congratulations. You're right. It's like, you know, in, in a way he called me a bum, but you know what? Yeah. I'm, I'm flattered that it got all the way to him and that he had to react to it. And, you know, maybe just somewhere, and especially Aaron Rodgers himself, you know, maybe, because I said that this Ayakasha T, whatever he is, it is, is a lousy substitute for God. And everything that he wants, Jeff, as I think you know and I know, is available not by the next gadget, not by a beautiful selfie on 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 Instagram and not by a temporary high and a false sense of clarity, but through God and his son, Jesus, it's all there. It helped it. I'm telling you, man, I would be, I would literally be dead had I not discovered the word. And uh, I am so grateful. I am so grateful. I'll be back, Jeff. Thank you. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You heard about that poor little one-year-old up in the in the Bronx that uh, fentanyl somehow got he got fentanyl got his oh gosh you got to be totally crazy to be messing with drugs these days uh, the fentanyl will kill you ah uh, gosh you know the daycare center owners I'm sure they didn't mean this but uh, happened on their watch uh, stay tuned for that one hey the other thing about Jan Wenner it's funny he gets in trouble for saying that. Um, you know, certain people are not uh, articulate enough to be in his book. It's funny. You can get you actually you can actually get into trouble for saying someone's articulate. Actually, you can. You know, you know he, he, they're they're saying he's racist and sexist. It's funny that um, you know if you it, it's, it's arguably if you were talking about I've never I don't know what Stevie Wonder sounds like, but Stevie Wonder came up in the conversation. I guess he said he wasn't articulate enough. But if he said he was articulate, that would be somehow demeaning and and racist according to the woke left it is crazy all right uh did not take many calls i'm going to do this fast gary yes yeah greg uh, as far as uh interviewing black artists if you listen to the music 60s 70s it's all the same male or female it's about falling in and out of love broken hearts romance look I, I i i think that's a totally fine a topic to sing about. I think that's totally fine. Don't you? It's repetitive. No, it's not. There's some great me. I mean, I... look, I'm not a rock and roll historian. I love music. All right. If I really looked at it, if I really focused on the race of the people involved in the creation of the music, it would be all over the place. It would quite frankly, and I noted this once before, be more black than white. So I don't want to get into what you're getting into. That somehow, like, if black artists were more simplistic than white artists, is that what you're trying to say? No, no. I'm just a, the the fact is the matter is to have a re, have a conversation, and it's all repetitive. It's romance. It's not. I, mean, I, 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 I well, a lot of white artists sang about romance as well, right? 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 Right there. What? There's no social commentary there. Well, look, you're not a rock and roll historian. He's the rock and roll story. He wrote the book. He can do it. All right. He can say that with authority. 
you know, off the top of my head, I know a lot of white uh, artists who spoke about falling in love and out of love and no oh boy, that girl broke up with me and that kind of stuff. Really light, easy, breezy stuff. And there's more to music, by the way, than the lyrics, right? Nobody knows what the hell they're singing anyway. You know what I mean? Do we really know what the hell they're talking about, Gary? I don't know what they're talking about. Most of the time, like I said, the conversation would be redundant. I don't know. No, 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 Gary. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, do me a favor. It was okay for Jan Wenner to say that in a way, but I, I, I can't sum, and I don't think you can sum up all of the music from that, from that era. And I know there are plenty of, uh, let me think about that. Well, anyway, anyway, Gary, thank you very much. It's in the news and it's worthy of discussing. I got to keep going. Um, um, no, I don't. Why am I in, why am I in such a rush? Carmine, hello. Hi, Greg. In, in two weeks, there's a movie coming out called The Blind, and it's the true story about Duck Dynasty star Phil Robinson, how he falls in love, starts a family, but his demons soon threaten to tear everyone apart. As he seeks to conquer the shame of his past, he ultimately finds redemption in an unlikely place. And we all know where that place is, Greg. It's in hopes of Jesus Christ. All right, that's and beautiful. Wait a second. Phil Robertson was on that show, Duck Dynasty? I've never seen an episode, but it's a Christian movie with a Christian theme, and What's it's the name? going to be a limited run. What's the name of the it's movie? The, it's called The Blind. The Blind, with a Duck Dynasty guy. Yeah, thank you. All right, The Blind. I'll be looking for that in two weeks. It comes out, The Blind. With the Duck Dynasty guy, one of them. Remember Duck Dynasty? Remember what a big deal that was for a while? That was so huge. Whatever happened to those guys? Are they still out? Did they start restaurants and franchises? Fran- franchise, fran- fran- franchise? Be careful with the franchise. Does anybody have a Subway franchise? I hear that can be one big headache, but hats off to them. It's a hard job. And Anyway, look, that's it. I got to run. Thank you all. To be continued, good luck in the crazy UN stuff out there. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.